Welcome to the Thinking Women podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Paddling Cox LLP. Paddling Cox is a full-service commercial law firm providing legal advice to businesses. From their head office in Truro, they operate nationally with lawyers in key areas such as Birmingham and London, providing advice on buying and selling businesses, restructuring, a wide range of commercial disputes, freehold and leasehold property, employment law and insolvency. They offer an initial consultation without obligation. So get in touch with them on 01872 672 072 or www.paddlecox.co.uk. So welcome to the Thinking Women podcast. Hello, we are here today with the wonderful Lisa Kelly and this is our mental health special. Yeah, so we've got lots of things to talk about today. We're delighted to have Lisa with us today, who is a divergent specialist. So, hi Lisa, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you ladies? Well, I'm I'm good. Are you all right, Lou? I'm very fine, thank you. But I'm desperate to talk (laughs) about this topic because uh, it's huge. It is massive. I don't, we've got... We normally do about 25 minutes, but we could probably talk all day. Yeah. Uh, but first, what is a divergence specialist? So can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I haven't heard that before. Sure, yeah. Basically, um, being divergent means that you think outside of the box or that you've basically come across a diagnosis to make you um, divergent or as other, the opposite side would be neurotypical. So um, I, a divergent specialist, is somebody who specialises in all the things that are going on neuro in your brain um, and things that might stop you from um, accessing things like work, education, family life. So I will help people with tips and tools on how they can um, approach certain subjects or areas in their life they may be struggling in. Okay. And just to pick up, I don't know how familiar people are with the term. So neurotypical is a term I've heard before. So that's someone who doesn't have any mental health issues. Um, So divergence, what sort of issues does that cover? I mean, we're talking about things like autism, ADHD, what what sort of conditions? I think what it is, it's more of a political termination that we're sort of, uh, that that we're talking about. So um, I think People, um, those within the community who have a diagnosis of of ADHD or um, autism, um, they feel that maybe that being told that they're not normal isn't actually that you know a nice way to approach things so it'd be more inclusive if you use somebody being divergent as opposed to being not neurotypical or neurotypical and this is something that I'm I'm hearing lots and lots more about in the press I know this week is Melanie Sykes, Melanie Sykes Carol Vorderman and it's really interesting isn't it because why is it Lisa do you think that suddenly it feels maybe it just feels like this but you know obviously when celebrities start stepping forward um looking for answers it becomes big news I understand we understand that but that they tend to they're seeming like they're all midlife women why is it happening now to them to us yeah um I can give you my personal opinion because um you know research is still going on you know there's still answers out there that are being found 
Um, my personal opinion, I would say, it probably echoes my own journey of the fact of um, kind of a succession of things starting to go wrong in your life um, or confusion in, in areas or where you struggle to cope. Um, so you then go to seek professional help um, and it's then maybe it's uncovered after uh, after a period of time, which is what's really important here is because there are so many different conditions that are out there and differences. Um, and it's important getting the right one and understanding what is going on with yeah, you I'm, individually. I heard a new one for me yesterday I heard on the radio was depersonalization syndrome. So yeah. that was something I hadn't heard before. And, and it just seems there is this whole spectrum of different conditions that in the past we might have said oh well someone's feeling a little bit down or someone's having a hard time and or the naughty child or the naughty child syndrome yeah, yeah. you know and I think when Lisa and I were talking earlier we were talking about your diagnosis and I think mm-hmm. when you're at school and this must this will um, resonate with so many people listening to this podcast is you know were you the naughty child at school were you one that couldn't concentrate blah 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 and then you know it, it obviously takes a lot of years for it to be taken seriously I suppose yeah. ultimately as well you start to see the patterns I think and that's and that's what when you get a diagnosis in in adult life they do ask you to reflect back on your childhood experiences because you can see the patterns they are there all throughout your life um again take take um looking at my own journey you could say a troubled in school um you know had early troubles in relationships um and then when big changes in my life happened I really couldn't cope well with them um and then you sort of or when you start different educational paths you have again more issues there so it's like you keep seeing these red flags you and but you don't understand quite what the mixture is so what made you seek a formal diagnosis then was there a certain event that happened or or what was the thing that made you think actually there might be something here there was and and getting a diagnosis is controversy to itself because some within the the community um the who have a, a diagnosis would basically say that they do want one and then you have others who say that they don't need one because you've got somebody who hasn't got a diagnosis diagnosing you so who are they to say what's normal and not Mm -hmm. so there's there's always people who do want diagnosis and people who don't um however with me I think my fine my last diagnosis because I've had quite a few and it's normally other people that have picked it up um and have prompted me to go and and, and get it um but my last diagnosis it was picked up by my university um I was seeking some short-term help off them in in the form of CBT therapy uh to get me through some personal struggles at the time um and they were like no I think what you've got needs a bit more long-term therapy you know a bit more um intense uh, exploration so which is what we did and now you know I've opened up a can of worms <laughs> so I mean what what in some ways though this is an interesting one because you obviously listened to the people who said oh you've got this or that or that did you uh, was there any resistance in you along your your life where people would say oh we think you're this did you not just think oh go away no I'm fine you're yeah. talking rubbish. What what was it that got you to a point where you acknowledge that perhaps 
it's, there was something going on. Yeah, it's quite funny you should say that because I've worked around special educational needs for 16 years, um, which is with children who, who you know, display different reasons why they're, they're struggling in education and I'd support them. So I could see it in other people, even some adults. But I think it was I didn't have a great understanding of adults, um, you know, how adults display. So, um, yeah, I think moving on, Moving on from that. So what was it in yourself, though, that made you believe that there was something that wasn't neurotypical? You can have other people say that, but there needs to be something in, in, in you that gets to that point where you believe it and seek out a diagnosis. So, so how did that come about? Well, it, once it was highlighted to me by other professionals um, that it should be explored, um, I suppose I I always knew that there was I always knew that I struggled throughout all of throughout all of my years I had always faced I knew that I had difficulties where other people didn't um, and it was up until I would probably say recently I had a few traumas that happened um, I now know that um, having traumas especially uh, consecutive ones they can they can obviously um, intensify your feelings and your coping mechanisms so um, by going through death of my father um, and family separate breakdown and separations um, amidst of all other traumas um, there's only so much one can take um, and if you got other things going on in your brain or your chemicals which are out of balance then normal day struggles that the everyday person might be able to do you can't so that's why you go and seek it I think because you're struggling in, in a certain point in your life. I'm just interested Lisa as well talking about sticking on that diagnosis track um, how many people in your experience maybe don't want to have the diagnosis because you know, particularly in a woman's life, it could possibly be used against them yeah. in some way. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially with adults, if you're if you're a woman, um, and what if you've got a good career or you're high profile, um, you manage a big team, um, you know, it comes out that you've got, you know, mental health issues, you know, one could worry about how that would look and how people would in interpret it. Also, would it be used against you? Like if, I don't know, if you're, if you're going through, obviously a lot of family separations bring this sort of thing up. So do these sorts of things go against you in a court of law or... Um, you know, in fact, interestingly enough, um, there's a large proportion of youth offenders in prison at the moment who have diagnosis of ADHD or are undiagnosed because they haven't had the support when they're younger. And that's what I'm an advocate for is, is being proactive instead of reactive. Yeah, and I think we're seeing, as we said, there's a lot of middle aged women or, or yeah. um, adults going through this. And, and you do think back to... I know when I was a child, it wasn't it wasn't common at all for someone to have a mental health issue. Nope. Um, you look at the environment now and the SEN coordinators we have in schools, things have definitely changed, haven't they? They have. Which is, um, which is a really positive, positive thing. There's no question. No question it's a positive thing. So, you know, if lawyers or certain other members of society want to use diagnosis in a negative way, then we just have to be aware of that, I think, I suspect, really, yeah. because, you know, as human beings, we are terrible some in some ways, but 
it is more positive that actually these diagnoses are coming out. Yeah, definitely. To help people. Because I think more awareness is that actually once you understand what's going on in your brain, once you understand kind of how you're wired up or which umbrella you're fitting under, you can put those coping mechanisms in or you can get away the toxic things that that are you know are, are upsetting your life so it does yeah I think it's important to know what's going on and, and like how you the, can work with it and like you were saying earlier there is a link between um all of this and alcoholism yeah and trauma yeah. um PTSD can we touch on that for a minute it's basically absolutely it's what we say undiagnosed so you think uh, they what they say is uh, a common phrase I think I've shared it around a lot oh, back in my day they didn't have all this ADHD thing uh you know and actually well yes they did but you had, like I said, you know, youth offenders or whatever, or you had women who were going through midlife crisis or, you know, there was certain things and, and, and people were labelled. So I think, um, yeah, it's also as well, social media obviously has got us a lot more aware of what's going on. Um, so we can research more and we're more aware of what's out there. Um, but the links, I mean, and now what they found is if you don't have diagnosis, there's um, there's numerous things like um, ADHD, uh, women drivers might have lots of accidents. Well, I mean, I'm a prime example of that, though. <laughs> Actually, I, I know you, Lisa, yeah. and I can definitely vouch for that. But it, I think this is one of the things I want to talk about now is actually coping with it, whatever yeah. it is. And um, whether you've got a diagnosis or what, having a good understanding of how your brain works and what your limitations are has yeah. just got to make life easier. Power. Knowledge, well, Absolutely. you have to knowledge, knowledge is power, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So I want to ask you a bit about the work you, you actually do. Yeah. So, um, and also the a question within that is the role of medication mm -hmm. in the treatment or the management, I suppose. It's not yeah. a treatment, it's the management of conditions. Mm. Um, that are divergent and non-neurotypical. Yeah. So, so what do you think about the use of medication? Well, I mean, Louise just touched there a bit about the uh, the um, addiction. So, like, you can <laughs> some people self-medicate and use things like um, you know drugs and alcohol um, and and think that they are coping and getting through. But as we know, those sorts of things just masks mask things mm. even more. So that's why you do get quite a lot of people who are undiagnosed with addictions um but then once you do get the diagnosis there's a different pathway that they go because depending on your diagnosis so for instance autism is kind of a different rewiring and firing of the brain um again with um some sort of hereditary link attached to that whereas adhd is more of a, an imbalance of chemicals in the body so they're both approached quite differently however they both have fundamental skills um there's there's certain ways of life which suit the, you know, the way that we think and we work a lot better, like notes, structures, timetables. Um, you'll find neurodivergent people will quite often be really great police uh, policemen or women, um, again, um, in the army, uh, teachers, are, are all presenters, are all massive, you know, 
popularity is really good because again you're good at masking you're good at putting on the performance but you might have the breakdowns after can I ask masking so that's the term I'm familiar with um so can you just explain what that is yeah I mean masking again is is another massive term in itself um it it, at the moment it seems to be more profound in females than it is in the males as in like we've often been able to see ADHD or autism in males because um of how they display it it's a bit more obvious but females display it differently um in the fact that females become quite withdrawn um again you can have different versions of, of every type of diagnosis but you can be Become quite withdrawn possibly focus on somebody that is inspiring you in school maybe they're just good at their work or they were young and trendy and you can you you role model yourself on them and we do that as we get older as in reading books and watching youtube videos to to you know get good at what we're good at so you mask it just like going out and talking to people you can put on a show and you can say the right things because after a period of time you've learned it you've even learned how to look at people in the eye I quite often look in the middle as opposed to looking in both the eyes because you don't know which one you should be looking in how you interpret people yeah there's lots of different skills you learn over time so you can mask it and and obviously we all do that a little bit don't we but what's the difference between a neurotypical person who who does that um and and tries to emulate say a a role model and someone yeah. with yeah with I was thinking that because I'm listening to a lot of what you're saying Lisa, thinking, <laughs> and I'm sure that people listening to this podcast are going well I do that or I do that mm. <laughs> so like Mag says you know at what point do you perhaps seek help yeah and understanding or or, or are we all a little bit I mean, I, I, that's such a horrible fact because I keep, I keep hearing yeah. that as well. well we're all a little bit aren't we yeah and I'm sure it sort of sets your triggers I, off no, yeah no end. I think definitely within the community they don't like it the term is we're all a bit on the spectrum aren't we but the spectrum is huge and there is a large amount of you, you know people out there who are going around who have diagnosis with ADHD autism dyslexia other mental health um, but there's also a lot that are undiagnosed so you know actually and I think what you're saying about getting diagnosis I think is is quite important and there's a lot of places out there now where they need to go and seek it like you've got um, Outlook Express uh, Outlook Southwest sorry in Cornwall um, which are really good to look for to get those diagnoses. Yeah I was going to ask about that so if, if people are sitting at home thinking oh goodness me you know I've been thinking about this for a while but I don't quite know what to do what would the first point of call would it be the GP or would it be going straight to someone like Outlook Southwest or a local mental health charity it's a bit like anything get as much evidence as as you can really get get out have a look on the internet see if you identify yourself with some of those um you know repetitive behaviors that might be seen um you know have a look and see what 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 is you know how do people display with ADHD and autism do you think you do any of those behaviors but like Louise was saying, how do we, we all we all show them, but somebody on the spectrum or or with who has um, some sort of comorbid diagnosis would basically display them over repetitively over a period of time consistently throughout oh. their life, and it, you are born you know you are born with it as well. So there's something that could potentially trigger it in your life um, to make it more relevant at different times in your life. 
Um, but yeah, doctors definitely go and tell your doctor. But like with anything, be pre pre armed because doctors are busy. It's not necessarily their specialism, um, you know. So make sure you've done your research. There's lots of private clinics out there and private specialists like myself who can give you an idea or you know point you in the right direction of of where you can seek that help. Yeah, and also I would say get in touch with Lisa and the Divergent Posse because yeah. <laughs> the group that you've set up, the business that you've set up. Yeah. Is there to help people in exactly that situation? Exactly. It's just a like-minded community, really, of, of, of parents and professionals who want to chat about it, want to know more about it, um, yeah, and, and just want to understand it. Gosh, well, I mean, I could talk about this all day. I've got loads more questions, um, but thank you very much. No Lisa, problem. That's been absolutely fascinating, and hopefully that will have given some of our listeners some food for thought and um and some directions as to where to go if they feel they need to we do get in touch with lisa if you need help all her information will be all over this podcast so lisa thank you so much oh thank you for having me ladies thank you this podcast is sponsored by paddling cox llp paddling cox is a full service commercial law firm providing legal advice to businesses from their head office in truro They operate nationally with lawyers in key areas such as Birmingham and London, providing advice on buying and selling businesses, restructuring, a wide range of commercial disputes, freehold and leasehold property, employment law and insolvency. They offer an initial consultation without obligation. So get in touch with them on 01872 672 072 or www.paddleandcox.co.uk.